Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming for the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. Today we have Biff Swinson, a musician and an actor of the upcoming short film, Raising the Dead. You could check out their website, RaisingTheDeadFilm.com. I really recommend it. It looks incredible. Uh, if you are in the Asbury Park region, uh, April 2nd, 7 p.m. at Wonder Bar, make sure you go to the premiere. You could respond to their Facebook page. They have a Facebook page for Raising the Dead, and then you could also the event at Wonder Bar. Make sure you check it out. I'm going to do my best to be there. Uh, this is We recorded this a long time ago because I have since seen Biff when he was on tour, I think with Year of Glad when they were playing up in Providence, and that was after we recorded this. And uh, yeah, so it was cool that we've kind of stayed in touch. Biff's, Biff's such a nice guy. I think you'll kind of get his personality through here. He's just really laid back. So fucking talented, really funny. He's just like a naturally funny dude, really talented musician, and apparently a great actor. I've watched the preview like a hundred times. Cannot wait to see this film. Uh, Biff has funny stories, making an ass out of himself on the Chris Gethard show, uh, meeting Bill Murray. Uh, you'll hear a story that he might be in an episode of Comic Book Men. I don't know if that would have aired yet. Uh, just so much fun. So if you hear any references or a little listening to it, like sound like a few months back, that's because we recorded this. I don't know, sometime last year. Also, I am now on the Core Temp Arts Network. Please, please, please check out all the podcasts we have on there. We'll have a quick ad for you before we start the show. Um, make sure you go to coretempsarts.com for all new episodes. All of the Let's Chat episodes will be available on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts. And all new episodes will be posted on coretemparts.com, starting with last week's episode, Nathan Gray of Boy Sits Fire. I'm Heresy. What a great episode. Go back. Check that out if you like. Uh, anyway, Biff is just the fucking man. I can't say enough good things about this dude. I think he's... Man, he's kind of embodies what I've always wanted the show to be. Someone who like me who just loves music, loves comedy, and he's just... He's doing it. He's awesome. So follow them on Twitter or Facebook, all that good stuff. Make sure you uh, follow the show on Twitter at Let's Chat Podcast. I just started Instagram for the show. You can check that out. Make sure you go to coretemparts.com. And last plug, raisingthedeadfilm.com. Let's get to it. Oh, stick around to the end. I'm gonna, we're going to have some songs uh, by Biff's bands. Let's get to it. Let's Chat with Revel and Friends is part of Cortemparts, a podcast network featuring pop culture, TV, and movie podcasts. Check out our other shows that pop this live, Talking Shondaland, We Got Five, and TV Ate My Brain at Cortemparts.com. The opposite of a winner Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner Peace to Raw G, Brucey B, Kid to Bring Funk, Master Flex, Love, Funk, Star, Ski So what do you consider yourself? Uh, so if someone's like, hey, I'm Biff Swinson Besides, like, career, we don't You can talk about your job, it's up to you, it depends on the person uh, Are you a musician, actor, director, writer, producer, editor? <laughs> you do everything, is that fair? I do, I'm a jack of all trades, a master of none I don't, yeah don't prefer to throw too many labels on myself because then I'm held to those standards. So I, I don't even say I'm a musician. I just say I'm in bands. Oh, you're a band, band dude. I, I'm in a band. I'm <laughs> How many bands are you in right now? Uh, technically, I'm in six right now. Yeah, Toilet is one of them. I'm in Toilet. I play drums and sing in that. I play bass in a band called The Obvious. I play drums in a two-piece called Yawn Mower. 
I play drums in a three-piece called Denizens of Soil, and then I'm in a Weezer tribute band and a Nirvana tribute band, but they're pretty much just the same guys. Have you ever done a Weezer-Nirvana mashup for the, like, sing Teen Spear over, like, Buddy Holly? No, we joked about it. We promoted it. How the hell we promote it? Smells like Surf Wax America. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And you just saw the, we- the Weeze, I like to call them, last night. I saw Weezer last night. It was not what I wanted it to be. What, where at Weezer do you, like true Weezer fans, where do you stop listening to their stuff on? See, I'm a true Weezer fan. I never stop listening. Yeah. I, I fight for these guys. Aside from Ratitude, I stand behind every album. Still, yeah. I think the new album is probably the third best album after the first two. Okay. I should listen to it. It's good. But I'm a drummer, and I showed up to Maine yesterday, checked their feed, and they posted midday that their drummer injured his back, and that they had a fill-in that night. And the fill-in sucked. Oh, that's kind of important. He messed up so frequently. He made a ton of stops. Like, But the band is so professional that they didn't miss a beat. At no point did you know that they were messing up, unless you were a drummer. Yeah. They just rolled with it. They didn't even make faces. I know if someone messes up on stage, I'm throwing eyes hard. I'm, like, staring at you. Mm-hmm. They just, they're, like, they're Weezer either way. They just rolled with it. Yeah, Rivers is a interesting dude. Oh, yeah. In a good way, though, because I heard him on WTF with Mark Maring, and then I had, like, a lot of respect for him. I was like, all right, I get it. He's, like, uh, he's an artist. He's one of the weird type of guys. That's why you get such good good product from him. Yeah, I, I love I came to them, you know, I, me and Victoria, um, we went to a restaurant once in Providence called Trinity Brewhouse, and I walked in and it was playing like a deep cut Weezer track. I was like, oh, that's cool. And it turned out they, whoever, the bar, whoever was working that was just playing uh, the first two albums in its entirety the, the whole night we were eating. Awesome. So I was like, I'm coming back here. Oh, yeah. What's the first one? Is that the blue? Blue albums first, then yeah. Pinkerton. Yeah, they were just, it did, did the entire, we walked in halfway through the second part of the blue album, and then he just turned on Pinkerton, and I was like, Yo, I'm coming back here. Yeah, that would sell me. I've gotten tattoos based on the music playing. I've I have and have not gotten tattoos based on the music playing when I walk in a place. What would you not get tattooed based on what song? Um, I think we walked into like Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah, I fucking hate them. It's not awful, but I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, all right. From that, I gather you've been doing this a couple decades. You probably don't care the same way. You're not pumping out anything original. Yeah, okay. Then I walked in, uh, and at the drive-in was playing. I stayed. <sighs> I got two tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> Put on some Sparta, and I'll be the only one who's at and some Mars Volta, and yeah. we'll have a little bit of a time. Though the one time I saw Sparta, they were fucking awful. But now, looking back as an adult, it probably wasn't. It was a shitty venue and a show they didn't belong on, and it might have just been more of me than them. Yeah, but if you also take what at the drive-in was and you split it into the two groups that they are, Sparta seems like they'd be the shittier, sloppier punk band. Yeah, they were. And pretty... that's cool, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with it. It's just because you know what Mars Volta is capable of that you go to a Sparta show and you're just like, tisk tisk. Yeah, like the station I grew up in, Connecticut, did this thing where it was like five bands for five bucks, and they'd have five bands that don't match, which I think at, I still think is cool. But one time I saw Glassdraw open for Simple Plan. What a weird one. Yeah, one time it was like this band called Ra, Ever Essence, and then Brand New. No, it was Brand New and, Renew- and Maroon 5 were on the same gig. I would love that. Before Maroon 5 was big, though. First album? I don't even know. And I'm kind of dumb, so I was like, Maroon 5? This band sounds stupid. <laughs> There's five morons in a band. <laughs> yeah, I just, I didn't even, I had no idea who they were. I don't even know what era it was. It was before they were the biggest band in the world. 
when I was in middle school and that first album came out, I was a, I was a closet fan. Is that the song with this love? Oh yeah, that was before that then, Whoa. or maybe before I don't I don't know. Indie jams, Maroon Five indie jams. Oh, yeah. It was uh, your favorite weapon in era of brand new. Oh wow! And everyone there thought they were brand new Sin, which was a different band I don't know about. I I know the name, didn't ever care to listen. People were so mad when they're playing like <laughs> seventy times seven. <laughs> Play something else. Out. So you walk in a tattoo. I like the idea of a tattoo shop, and you go by the music. I think I'm gonna get my more tattoos. I think I should do that based off the music. I mean, there's other factors, but well, of, of but co- the music's gonna sway it hard for yeah. me. The last tattoo I got was like two hours, and there was no music on. Oh no! Because I think the, the the store had closed, and she just kept going. Kind, kind of her, I guess. But, yeah. But that awkward silence would kill me. Just unless that- there was, I don't know. I did part of my on the back of my leg over a scar. And I blacked out because it really hurts. I don't know if you, which I didn't know. Like, it hurts a lot. I bet. Like it felt like someone took a scalpel and dug it into my skin and pulled, but it hurt so bad it felt really good. <laughs> like it was, you know, like a tattoo kind of hurts, but then it's like you get that turnover. You're like, you're like oh my god! It, it, it was only a small scar, but there was a part where it hurt so much. I think I like almost orgasmed. It felt yeah. So good. It no, was I know what you're talking about one of the strangest. <laughs> and I kind of like look back. It's like. I just want to fill in this one spot. It hurts so... I mean, I've never felt pain like that, but then in a weird way, I loved every second of it. Yeah. <laughs> so you're a drummer, bass, guitar guy. Yeah. Your sister... I know you. I know a lot about you because I hung out with your sister, Deb, who's wonderful and good friends with my wife, and we're all friends. She's an avid supporter. <laughs> she talks so highly of you, <laughs> even when you're not around. She's the best. I guarantee you she's listening. Hello, Jeb and Jeanette. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Because uh, yeah, we so we met once when you we came up here for a weekend for I don't know why I don't ask, but I just, I, it was just a vacation. Yeah, you're just hanging out. Yeah, and then we went to Ogie's and then and Deb's like, yeah, you and my brother might get along, and then we just talked about music and comedy. I was like, oh my god, we just separated from the from the clan. They were talking about shoes and <laughs> girl stuff, hair, I guess. I'm not half being sexist, but then I'm actually thinking about it, and I bet they were talking about hair, to- ha- hair and work. Shoes. Yeah. And work. Yeah. As soon as I get off of work, I like to end that topic. My job is a lot of things, but it's not boring. But I do one thing every day. I come home and I tell Victoria, I'm like, do you want to hear the most fucked up thing happened today? Because <laughs> I work for like a behavioral health company. And she's like, no, I don't want to hear about mo- people being molested. I'm like, all right, I'm done. How about the second most <laughs> fucked up thing? No, yeah. that e- okay, we'll okay. move on. Maybe we'll get dropped down to three. I'm like, <laughs> this won't make you feel too bad about yourself. But yeah, I'm the same way. Like, I love not working. Yeah, lot. when I was growing up, my parents were always like, "What do you want to? What do you want to do it yourself?" Like, ideally, I would love just to watch television mm. professionally, like be like a Netflix reviewer. <laughs> yeah, um, I would love to complain for a living from a couch. That would be great. I know. The problem with that work is you have to be a good writer, which I'm not. <laughs> I couldn't write uh, a review of a program that I really enjoyed. I would need to then hire someone to translate what I said into something a little, a little. Uh, a little less F-word littered. <laughs> but what did you have to watch shows you hate? What was that? So what about like watching shows you hate? I couldn't do that. Um, I don't hate... I don't watch shows that I despise, but I definitely will sit and watch shows that I don't like if nothing else is on, and I'll just yeah. kind of zone out and stare at it and just take the time to reflect on something else. Yeah, that's fair. I'm going to admit something that I probably shouldn't, but I'm not a huge Futurama fan. Probably the only guy on the planet. I, know, I, I can't see my bender over there. It's kind of tucked away, but yeah. I just, I, I just, 
I don't love it, but That's I cool. find myself watching it almost every day. It's hmm. on Comedy Central, and it's yeah. just I just find myself watching like three, four, five episodes. Yeah, I'm not hating it. I just is it because you just grew up so much more with The Simpsons? Um, I mean, I was in fourth grade when South Park started when it premiered. Mm-hmm. So as soon as that aired, Simpsons was over for me. Yeah. I wasn't so invested in The Simpsons. I was just like, well, there's this other show that says fuck a lot. Yeah. I feel like I want to hop on that one. Whoever thought that we would be sitting here at this age and South Park is still... And Simpsons, but more importantly, South Park is still on. And they held up the... I mean, I'm a Simpsons fanatic, but I stopped watching around season 10. But if you look at South Park from season 1 to 18... each season gets better and better. It continuously and better. gets better, and the humor adapts and changes with time. Like the Simpsons humor is still pretty much the same. It's changed a bit, but I think that that's why they lost some of their fans. Yeah, like I, I don't watch in transition and in translation. It just kind of turned into something else. South Park has just embellished on its own sense of humor. Well, just getting like more meta and like more political, and there's just like all these different levels every episode for someone to get a chuckle out of. I mean, I, I, I just think it's because South Park's been the same two dudes. Yeah, I mean, like I watched that Six Days to Air. Oh, and so I, good. I had no idea how involved Trey and Matt are. I mean, they, even like Bill Hader, who's like a writer, is like, it's ridiculous to call me a writer. I just show up, and Matt, and, you give ideas, and Matt and Trey, they write the voice. They I mean they do every. I've never heard of that hard of like a workaholic towards the cartoon. They just sleep there. I know. The whole season, pretty much. Yeah, six days a week. (laughs) That's crazy. They wrote, and some of the stuff they write is just like, uh, do you ever see, of course you have, uh, Baby Farts McGeezak? Yeah. That needs to be taught at the college level. I mean, that's just hidden on so many like things about like fears of human. Like our whole planet came together to work together just to screw over a different race that we didn't trust. Yeah. We lose it out of the intergalactic space, whatever. Like, but then there's those like the Simpsons that low fl- low hanging fruit kind of a joke. Like, ah, it's me, Baby Farts McGeezak. <laughs> that's I, funny, and I I appreciate that too. And that's like that's what that is why I connected with the Simpsons at first, and I still love like that sense of humor. But I just find picking one over the other i'm always going for the multi multi-layer joke of south park well i mean south park has that great episode simpsons did it yeah like they're just they're fully aware they're standing on the shoulders of giants and yeah build upon it and yeah it, but, but i mean i mean those guys their video games are great i just beat the south park stick of truth recently yeah last year. it was a straight up rpg and then the book I saw Book of Mormon and it was I still have not seen Book of Mormon. Blew my I am I, I so I went there I wanted to go because I thought it was gonna be funny. Victoria loves musicals. She loved it because it was really funny and I loved it because it was just a good musical and it, my expectations were blown. Like it was amazing. I won't watch a single clip online. I don't want to spoil don't. it. I've just been waiting years. I'm just one day I'll, one day I'll get there. Yeah, I had before I saw I interviewed uh, Kevin Bartini. He's a comedian. He does like he used to do warm up for the Daily Show, Colbert. I think he does in the Nightly Show. He named a street, he got he's the guy who got a street named after George Carlin in New York City. Awesome, he's the, he's the man. And he told me the Book of Mormon when he saw it the first run was the best piece of art he's ever seen in his life. And like you watch Colbert like every day of the week, he's like the best piece of fucking art ever. 
was like, all right. And he wasn't kidding. Yeah, I trust it. I never, I've never felt so strongly about a musical in my entire I'm like, wow, musical theater is amazing. Have you seen the musical episode of South Park? Which one? The uh, movie? No. There's an episode where Randy... No. Randy convinces his wife to go to musicals because in them there's all subliminal messaging that the women oh, should, yeah. <laughs> should suck the guys off. And they close the episode with like, uh, like you know, no, if, if, you know, if I get to go see a musical and you get your dick sucked, then I guess everyone's happy. And it's like, Book of Mormon, get your dick sucked. And that's how the episode ends. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so great. <laughs> I kind of forget. I, I go through phases where I think I stopped watching South Park for like a good decade and then came back to it. I was Same. like, what the fuck? At college, I found it again. Actually, a guy came to my school to speak and he wrote a book called The Philosophy of South Park. And then I started to rewatch it again. Like sophomore year of college. I was like, oh, my God, I have missed something. What was it all about? I would love to read that book. I, before you leave, I still have like a like a, one of the a sample from it. One of them, I remember, was uh, how Kenny was our daily dose of death. And then, you know, well, philosophical stuff. And yeah. Just, uh, the idea of, like, South Park... I'm very, very paraphrasing from a speech from, like, seven or eight years ago. Uh, South Park, the idea is about chaos and what it's like when the parents aren't in control. Like, why they're characters in the show, they don't really run the town. So it's just... I was like, oh. And it was just, like, a lot of, a lot of deep childhood-seated stuff. Uh, like, Cartman is just, like, uh, the ego. And it was really, like, mesmerizing. Yeah, Cartman, the development of Cartman over the years. He tries to exterminate the Jews, and I still kind of like him. Yeah, oh, there's so many other worse things than that even, and I still find myself rooting for him. But I also stopped watching for a few years, and I remember going, like, when I started re-watching, there was a couple episodes that I just was so put off by what was going on in Cartman, and I started going back and, like, watched the transition. They, like, turned him evil yeah. so quickly. Oh, yeah. He went from, like, the annoying fat kid who's, like, kind of racist to, like, pure evil, feeding his friend, his parents, and chili. Oh, for, and then Radiohead makes yeah, fun of him? Yeah. <laughs> Scott Tuckerman must yeah. die or something. Oh, yeah. you, you know what's um thing I really respect this South Park? Which, um, so I used to work with adults with developmental disabilities at one point, and um, they have Jimmy and Timmy, and they never make fun of them. The joke's never on them. It's always they – I mean, the guys shit all over them because uh, – but they're just characters, and th- th- when they become in the Bloods and the Crips, it's just like, oh but man, they, they're never making fun of them for their disability. It's just they're characters, they're regular dudes, uh, and they show them just in- interacting within the world as people. Which I don't think people understand how important that just doesn't happen. It, it's never like a special like our friends in the wheelchair, and all he says like Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy wants to be a stand-up comedian. Yeah. <laughs> He's Yo. terrible at it. Jimmy is one of my favorite characters. Well, hey guys, <laughs> and but the, the and he's got the sweetest soul. Yeah, <laughs> and the other the other two, their new characters they've introduced uh, when they went to summer camp. Oh God, do you know who I'm talking about? And they, one guy's like kind of like a mob. Uh, yes, the and it's like really just like that fucking straight man. Yeah, uh, like Three Stooges era of comedy of like the smart guy who controls the idiots. Yeah, and it's just like there's like a womp womp every time. <laughs> oh, you! Yeah, I'll get you. Like, it just they're building on like so many layers of comedy. I never re- like it's like that's like comedia, uh Was it comedy dell'arte or something like that? I don't know. I don't know. I messed that one up. That's <laughs> fine. <laughs> I uh, I don't know much about comedy. I just was. I'll tell the story. I, you know, Chris Gethard. 
I love Chris Gethard. So a friend of ours was going to a taping, and Nick Kroll was going to be the guest this week. And she's like, you should call in and talk to Nick Kroll. He's one of your favorite comedians. Like, whoa, you know what? I should do that. But I worked all day. And like all day at work, I actually had work to do. And I, the whole day, I'm like, I should write something. I should write a bit. I should work on this. I shouldn't just wing it. Like, oh, I'll get to it after work. After work, I had band practice. So the whole time we're practicing, I'm like, oh, man, I should definitely like at least ask the guys what they think. I should work on something. Didn't do it. Band practice is over. Me and the guy sit down. We're on. We're live. We're the first guest. We had nothing planned. I was just dressed as Jesus, and he was shirtless with a wig on and aviators and an unlit cigarette. And Nick Crawl destroyed us. <laughs> Not because of what we were wearing. I mean, at first, because of what we were wearing. But then there was this kid on the show who was just a kid from Twitter, and he got in a beef with Chris Gethard. So, like, the New Jersey in me was just like, this kid's a prick. Got, you got in yeah. a fight with the host? I'm not interested. So, we're like, they're going around trying to answer our question. They come to him. I'm like, I don't want his answer. Let's go to the funny guys. And, like, got a little too aggressive. And Nick Crawl just like, what? He's like, can I give you some advice? Because I assume you're trying to do comedy. Uh, you usually play with the panel, so you're doing it wrong. So, <laughs> he didn't just, like, insult me as a person. Just like, I assume that you're trying to be a funny guy and that you're fucking it up. So... I love Nick Kroll. Yeah, so we just got annihilated, and then it aired on television. It can we can still find this online? It's it's episode eight. So if you go on, I think is this it, the Fusion show? Or yeah, the, the Fusion show. Do they have all their old episodes on Fusion? I don't know. They go uh, they go online a week after they air. Yeah, because I didn't see the Comic Con one yet. I I just kind of heard of him semi recently. He was on an episode of. Uh, you made it weird with Pete Holmes. I think Split Slider did this article, like one of the must top tens listens. It's probably like a year ago, and I listened to him, and then I started listening to all his work. I was like, I love this dude. Yeah, he's really funny, and he was—he's really good on Broad City. He's the underdog. Yeah, and when he talks on the Pete Holmes episode, it was before Broad—I don't know when it was, but it was like he wasn't complaining, but he's the guy that like all of everyone he taught at UCB went on to become famous. Besides, like TV shows, like. The woman who wrote like The Heat and Pitch Perfect and Thirty Rock, like these people that just became mega stars. They were all, st- and he was still friends with all of them because he's just a great dude. Yeah, and always his time is shining, and like he's such an underdog though. Yeah, I love it, and that that's what the bummer was. Like my my sense of humor is so aggressive and like could be taken as negative, and that's not what UCB preaches at all. They're like super positive comedy, and like yeah. The first rule of any improv, you know, is yes and. And I immediately was just like, nope. Uh, nope, thanks. Next guy. And it's like, me, like, oh, fuck. That's not how you're supposed to play. Did you take classes there? I took one class. Yeah. Is it worth it? It's, I mean, it's just like any of the arts. If you, if you really want to succeed, you have to commit 24-7, 365. Yeah. Uh, it is totally worth it. It was an awesome experience. I want to take more classes. I just know that I can't. It's like a New York life, and I don't live in New York. Yeah. So commuting, you're, it, you should practice every day. You should be with a group practicing with a coach every day. And like, oh it just God. wasn't a luxury for me. So like, yeah. I was spending more money on something. Yeah, and you're not like not busy anyway. That's what I mean. And like the hour and twenty minute train ride back and forth. Fuck. I would just spend the whole day there. I'd go at like 6 in the morning, and I wouldn't come home until like 2 or 3 in the morning the next day just because I'd, I'd get together with a group and a coach. I'd go see shows. 
And then you have to eat in between all of those things. So at that point, it's a full day. And you're just losing money. Oh, yeah. And just like, just like dumping money into like a... Hey, I'm going to like possibly be a comedian one day. Yeah, and I'll, very few of us will ever make money. Yeah, I mean, but then you look at the walls of that place. I know. And they're like, every single one of my favorite comedians has come ever, through. Ever, everyone. Yeah, has come through there. Yeah, I've, I've had, uh, yeah, everyone. And Nick Kroll, Amy Poehler, her boyfriend, the founder of the school, was just like, dude, you're doing comedy wrong. I'm just like, I know, I fucked up, I'm so sorry. <laughs> He's a UCB guy. Oh, yeah, he's a UCB guy. I don't know if Nick Crawl is a UCB guy, but he's, like, I, I so inner... I'm, even if you didn't start there, you, everyone's performed there at yeah. some point. Because it's, like, Amy Poehler, Michael... It's Ian Roberts, Mike, Amy Poehler... Oh, my God. I'm Matt. Drama. Matt Walsh. Yep. And Matt Besser. Yep. And I think Horatio Sands... He started there, yeah. Is he started it? They started in New York. I think they started it from... I know they started it from Chicago. Like, if you try... It all starts back to Del Close out of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it? Second City, right? Second City? Yeah. I hope someone's listening and correcting us. There, there's going to be, like, all these comments underneath. Like, you two jerk-offs don't know anything about comedy whatsoever. <laughs> Do you watch Last Week Tonight with John Oliver? Uh, I don't. I oh. usually just catch up. It's good. During the week on the segments that go yeah. online. If you see the one where he talks about like women on the internet, he's like, if your penis is white, you may be using the internet different. <laughs> so that's us right now. No one's going to correct us because no one ever. <laughs> I, I got a white dick, so we're fine, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because we, 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 I'm pretty new to like falling in love with the comedy world, too. Like It really came through a comedy podcast. Like, yeah. That's where it came from me. And I was like, oh. And I, I still love music, but I kind of go back and forth with the two. Like, but I don't listen to stand-up. I'll never just li- Rarely will I ever just put on a stand-up special or something. I like to do it live. Like I like I, to me, it's like a sport. Like I don't want to watch a sport on TV, but I want to do it in person. Yeah, there was a, a super short period of my life, like in middle school, where I would only listen to stand-up comedy albums, and that's only because it's when I first realized like there was this other world of comedy that I could di- like I could choose what I listened to as opposed to just being force-fed comedy. What were you listening to at that age? Um, Mitch Hedberg. Yeah, that's a good one to start with. Um, at that point, I wasn't Dane Cook, and I still will stand by that. Oh, I, I don't. Comedians are just dicks overall. Dane Cook's hilarious. Like, yeah, he might be huge. It's like I don't think Kevin James is funny, but someone does. Yeah, same. I, or Adam Sandler was funny when I was thirteen, but now I'm not thirteen. But like, I, and you know what sucks for him is that like he nailed that sense of humor. It's just a humor like moved so rapidly, so quickly, immediately as soon as he hit that he was just like kind of left in the dust. But otherwise like the Sandler. Yeah. Yeah. But he never changed. That's what know? I mean. He yeah. just kind of like he, when he finally nailed the, the comedy he wanted to do, like everyone was ready to move on. He's at that still point. making, <laughs> and I think he got into Hollywood at that right time where for some reason he's still in movies where yep. if anyone else happened, they'd be like, you're done and over. For some reason, he's got some weird grip on Hollywood. No one knows why he just signed a four, Movie deal with Netflix. Well, it's that thing, like, I saw that Polly Shore documentary, and he's, like, in the Midwest, and people fucking, like, Son-in-Law's my favorite movie. I'm like, Son-in-Law's a piece of shit, and I hate that movie. <laughs> but there's, there's, you know, it's, every, everything is different for everyone, you yeah. know? Like, to me, like, I put, like, Arrested Development is, like, a fucking Greek god of comedy. Yeah. And I have people think it's the worst piece of shit they've ever saw in their entire life, and they don't understand it. I know. It's So, I guess it's the same thing. Like, that's how I feel about Sandler's is a piece of piece of shit and I hate it. I'm a huge fan of the Jerky Boys. That was, I used to love the Jerky Boys. That was the first piece of comedy I ever heard. That must, oh my god, was that the You Have Ten Pound Balls? They call the Bowling Alley. 
They fit in your pants. I remember like crying. My neighbor Steve and I crying, literally being yep. in te- like and making prank calls and like laughing as hard as you could ever could laugh. And now I think listen to it, I'd be like, no, I don't laugh as hard now. But like the idea that you could just fuck with somebody, and that was where it ends for you. Like that's all they did. They yeah. just wanted to piss someone off, and then they were good and they could move on. Like that's where they got their high. I thought that was hysterical. Bart Simpson making calls to Mo. Yep. But and, but the way they did it was that, and that's the only one I remember is the do you, they call Bo and he'll do you have ten bowling belts and do, do they fit in your pants and then, <laughs> I was like what? I don't know why I think that's so funny my parent my mom works at an Italian deli and she brought it home for my dad to hear because one of her coworkers played it it was a cassette tape this was oh, like wow. ninety four I think wow and I just saw it laying around and it had a cartoon on the front so like that's the only reason i even looked in the first place but it also had a parental advisory sticker which for me it like gotta listen (laughs) yeah whoa so i put it in and i was crying and they like didn't know what was wrong so they came in and like and like they couldn't even help it like they were dying laughing too as soon as they came in they couldn't even correct me because they were immediately (laughs) laughing in response to what they were hearing they were crank anchors yeah that shit was funny too. that was i love puppets yeah. I'm a big fan of the Muppets and all that shit. Did you see the preview for the new Muppet show? Oh, it looks so good. It looks so good. I saw that thing online they put at Comic-Con where they showed like the pilot, their pitch presentation, I think. They made like an 11-minute what it could be, and I was like, yes. It's hysterical. Yeah, I've it's had like- a puppeteer on here a couple times, and I just love picking his brain. I'll to get you his movie. He made a movie called Him and His Crew, and they made a movie called Head, and it's the first that we know of. Uh, horror movie with puppets and it's not and it's like an 80s thrasher style with all puppets awesome it's so sick is Deb like uh, she's your sister's older right she's seven years older and you just you two just us two was she a uh, good like show you good culture when you were too young for it she advisor w- she was but she wasn't she's very motherly so she didn't do it on purpose it's just that she was also so young that she just didn't want to miss out so if it meant yeah. that I was going to find out about it it's worth the risk like bring you to concerts and she shit. didn't bring me to a ton of concerts up front, but when when I was finally old enough to go to concerts, she would she would drive me because my parents were like, well, I'm not going to drive to some sketchy area. She'd be like, I got it. Yeah, yeah. She is the reason I heard Green Day for the first time. That was yeah. the first I was listening to rap up until Dookie came out. Me too. And it, then, that was in eighth grade. And she played me Dookie, and I was just like, oh, my God, they curse, too, but they're playing rock music. I'm in. I got it. Hip-hop, and then I found Green Day, Blink-182, Blink and Ska. Blink-182 was second, and then it took me, like, a couple years. Once I got into the Ska scene, I just... That's... In my head, Dookie and the Ska explosion were the same week, but I know that's not true, but that's just how my memory works. <laughs> you just lumped that period of time I just together. remember listening to, like, Dookie and uh, Dude Ranch and... And like real big fish at the same, and less than Jake at the same time. Yeah, and one of the dudes from less than Jake was from the town next to us, so everyone like it was a huge deal. Awesome, because they're a Florida band, but they're uh, Jr. The horn player was from from Wallingford. They're like, oh my god, that's so cool, hometown <laughs> heroes. Every band teacher would like try to get you to listen to them. Like, if you like this, you'll play an instrument. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in the school band, this might be the style of music that you're into. <laughs> and then you get beat up for it three months later because yep. it's Scott. <laughs> I still love Ska. I might be the only one. Our girlfriend and I will go, like, whenever we go out, we just have, like, one too many, we're on the way home, and we're, like, debating what we should listen to. It's always Ska music. That's, like, the reminiscent throwback, and we'll just, yeah. like, blow through every album mm-hmm. of every band that we like, just real quick, get, like, 30 to 45 seconds in, like, oh, that was great. Next! Yeah. Did you guys do Spring Hill Jack? No. They were, I don't know how big they were. It was before my time, but they were kind of more known because their singer died. 
or their drummer. Someone in the band died, and every member of that band went off to be in much bigger bands. <laughs> so it was like everyone in the band ended up in like Real Big Fish, Boss Tones, Lost City Angels, uh, Us and Jake. Like it was just one of those like like slapstick from Chicago. Like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I never knew them, but everyone in that band left and was in a much bigger band. I just knew that uh, the bass player from Alkaline Trio was the bass player. Yeah, slapstick. and I think someone else. Swinging udders, rise. I don't. I don't even know the. That was why I hopped in first. So that was the selling point. Yeah, that's why I, I found AK3 first and then went backwards. Yeah, yeah. I think I started off. I found the. I started off in Connecticut, discovered the New Jersey Long Island scene, and then I really fell hard for Chicago. And it took me a lot of years to get to the like the SoCal punk rock scene. Yeah, I. I will, it's a different story over there. They had no basements. They had no basement shows. They don't have basements in their houses, <laughs> and that still to this day perplexes me. I was like, oh. That's why you guys were all in clubs. Yeah. Yeah, that's why you get the luxury of playing at a bar. <laughs> yeah, like, there's not as many VFW Hall type. That show world can't even exist because the infrastructure that we have in the North. I don't know why there's so many VFW and Knights of Columbuses up here, but there sure are. Yeah, there's a ton. And they're all willing to accept money for whatever. They don't give a shit. Just clean the place when you're done. Yeah. This is a business, kid. They like we put holes in walls and like stayed late to patch them up and they never even cared. Yeah, I used to try to do that on purpose. <laughs> I mean, they're they're taking so much money. It probably cost them nothing to really keep the lights on for the night. Oh, I mean, look at that place. It's a piece of shit. Yeah, there's like a one of them that had a bar and old people would be there drinking while we were having hardcore shows. And they yeah, that's like, what it's for. It's just so old people like like they're alcoholics. <laughs> yeah, and they can justify it. they're not at a bar. They're at the VFW because they worked for it. Yep. <laughs> Disabled American Veteran Hall. Yeah. I booked a show there once. Uh, with Fo- that's how I became friends with Folly in, like, 03. That's how we first met. I f- f- kind of first met them. And I was just like, you guys don't belong here. Yeah, There's a all- bar downstairs. I, like, pull all the members out. It was them and Smacking Isaiah, who then turned into a Wahum Scream, who I fucking love. Whoa, look at that lineup. And you booked yeah. it. A lot with, some- with Mark and other people did all the real work. I just could throw my name on it. Yeah. <laughs> Mark uh, turned into Manic Productions in Connecticut, which is like the big, big, big one in Connecticut. I know now. Manic. Yeah, they're like the big time. Yeah, yeah. He was. Uh, he went off and made a career out of it. It's awesome. Awesome dude. <laughs> what other? Were you part of the Jersey scene growing up? Um, you're part of it now. Barely. It, yeah, I'm there. Pe- people know my name just because I like force my way into situations yeah. and show up places. But, but you're not the New Brunswick. You weren't playing like Court Tavern before it closed. I still have never played that place. I've never. Closed. Yeah, I know. I'm so bummed. I am bummed that I didn't get to play it. Um, when you- I was growing up, I was I was always a little younger than everyone I was playing with. So I started off playing basement shows, garage shows, VFW shows. But we... Our band was always the pussy band. It was like everyone else was in hardcore bands. Yeah. And we were like noodling. Like we had a rule that no one could use distortion pedals. We were like <laughs> real hard about that. And every single metalhead, just like the only comparison they could ever make was like, you guys sound like Minus the Bear. It's because like that's the uh, only band that metal bands like could liked. deal with because they actually knew how to play their instruments. Yeah. Kind of sound like Minus the Bear. Thanks. Yep. I'll take it. I liked Minus the Bear a lot. Yeah. I dig Minus the Bear. And then I went away to college to Rowan in South Jersey, and that's when I got into the Philly scene. What's the Philly scene like? The I Philly don't know scene Philly is well. where that like noodly uh, emo revival scene oh, started. I love me some emo revival. They everyone from that is going to hate me for saying emo revival. They don't like the terminology because it never really went anywhere. Have you ever? Do you ever go to Washed Up Emo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom, the guy who runs that, was on here. And yeah. He, thought everyone should go back listen to tom mullen and watch the bemo hell yeah we have a long discussion about that great dude but he yeah it never went away but 
it is interesting. I think now that the eighteen, nineteen year olds I'm not sound like old man, but like it it does seem that like a decade of music people no one is going back to a lot of stuff from two thousand to two thousand and ten, and bands who are starting like sixteen are going back to late nineties stuff. Yeah, and it, it is really fast. And I, bands I like Foxing and like yeah, I think there's a great article on Noisy that he either I think he wrote or. I think Tom wrote it. I don't know, but it was about they had Chris Caraba. He showed Chris Caraba all the stuff. Yeah, and, and then he just fucking. It was like all my friends' bands. So like you, I played basement all, shows oh, with. No way. And uh, he's just like this band kind of sounds like this band. It's like yeah, and but they're going far back. They're going like Farscape and like yeah, like super emo bands. I never fucking heard of. Like because I got into like the Get Up Kids era emo. Yeah, and, and then this, it, they're going. Kids are going way far back. It like split. It either went like they all went in a pop punk direction, or they yeah. all went in this like super noodly kind of disoriented way yeah. that is less mainstream. So no one paid attention to the I Get Up Kids it. and stuff like that. Were so much easier to digest. Uh, yeah, and I was one of those kids. <laughs> yeah, oh, so was, I mean, uh, in high school and stuff, that's what I listened to. I didn't pay attention to the other stuff. I know. And, I love pop punk. And then uh, the band Algernon Cadwallader, which is the first band Chris Caraba talks about in that article. I'm like I'm good friends like with the drummer from that band. No way. He's in my band Spa Day. Uh, they played a show with one of my bands in 2006. So I Damn. saw them like as soon as they started. Wow. And just was obsessed with them. Clear. What are they called again? Algernon Cadwallader. And I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna go listen to them now. They are named after the founder of the town that they grew up. That's so random. Yeah. And then uh, there was a band called Snowing, and the yep. Those two bands combined to make a new band called Dogs on Acid, and they just signed to Jade Tree. Oh, Jade Tree. Yeah. I love me some Strike Anywhere. Yeah, so congrats, bros. Hey, you, don't, you never know who will hear this. Yeah. And, uh, and the guitarist from that band also is in Hop Along. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, I love that noise. I, I, I love that noise. It was just, I love Chris Corral. I definitely had a lot of years in my life where I tried to hate Dashboard. Full disclosure, I proposed to my wife with the Dashboard song. Hell yeah, go you. Uh, the other night we were just watching his, his Unplugged thing. I was like, why did I pretend I didn't love this? Because I, I loved him, but I never could tell anyone I loved it. Like I was, I love Further Seems Forever a yeah. little bit too late, and then now I love it more. But like me and Victoria are watching him on, go on YouTube, type in Dashboard Confessional, MTV Unplugged. Oh, I own the DVD. Oh, watch Hands Down. Oh, that was the one. How do you not get tears from that? I know. I yeah, Stolen. I, I put that up. The episode of Scrubs where uh, Elliot is being proposed to by Keith, and they play the sped up version of Stolen. I saw that years ago, and that was the moment. I was like, whenever I get, if I ever get married, years before I met my wife, that's the song that's being played. It has to be because I just, I, I just love that song. is beautiful. He nails it. Oh my god! And then like, it's really cool. The guitar is doing its own little thing, and then you have the like, you have stolen my heart chorus, and then he has like a chorus on top of that about like spinning around in the highest chair. I'm getting teared up thinking about this song. Look what you're doing to me, Beth. <laughs> you're doing this to yourself. You're digging in yeah. deeper and deeper. Yeah. You want this moment. I'm stopping. <laughs> We're stopping. <laughs> <laughs> I was the first person in, in high school to wear a dashboard shirt, and I got so much shit for it. And, like, there wasn't even a cool one to get. It was the one with, like, a heart on it. Like, oh, it, was yeah. even, it was, like, emo from the get. Yeah. It was, like, as whiny as you could get about it. He's a really handsome man. Still, to this day, has yet to age whatsoever. Touring with fucking Third Eye Blind. What? Oh, oh, oh right yeah, now. they're opening. Yeah, I thought you meant like as a singer. I'm like, whoa, no, I didn't no, hear that, dude. Yeah, <laughs> no. And then um, Twin Forks is other his folk project's really good. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
I, that first further seems forever record is phenomenal. And I used to be a dick and not like the ones he left. And I had gone back now and listened to the ones after him, and they are also very good. The second one was still pretty good. The third one with the guy from Sensefield, I still like it. I wasn't too into it. I listened to it again as an adult, like as you know, but it's not the best, but it yeah. is still very good. And then the the newer one that they just put out with Chris Caraba was decent. I just I don't think I could commit to learning anymore for the Yeah, I'm not that person anymore. <laughs> yeah. But I also don't con- I don't consume albums the way I used to. Like I do Spotify, so I put it on Spotify and I listen to it. So I don't listen to each song through and through. My like, girlfriend makes fun of me. She's just like, you can't even call yourself a musician. She's like, you need to listen to albums. Like I will make myself playlists because I'm like, uh-huh. my time is valuable. I'm looking to hear this song I want to here i even before spotify before technology and everyone says everything got ruined never liked albums i've, I've like made mixtapes mixtapes from, mix from the cds from the second you could make a mixtape mm-hmm. i was just like oh i could just pick the songs i want to hear fuck it they're like oh well, why don't you listen i'm like i listen to the album once and i find what i want to listen to <laughs> yeah and I, I and this is before the technology was there like i didn't I just so it's the technology hasn't ruined people i just knew what i wanted and i'd get what i want yeah musically it's, it's just made it easier for people like us yeah like, i love it you know what? I don't know if I, I'm, I try. I try not to be ashamed of what I listen to anymore. I think I listen to Alkaline Trio every day of the week. Yeah. Every, this last month they've been on my Spotify at work. It's the perfect. I can do something else while I listen, and then certain times the right song comes on, and you're like, and you zone right back in. Their older stuff, like everyone will tell you, their older stuff. They got some really good songs. Yeah. Like real like some of them I think are like pop I'll go as far as to say like I put them up there with like pop masterpieces. Yeah. Like uh like Private Eyes just Private like Private Eyes one of the best. How do you think of this shit? And it's like gross as fuck. Yeah. Step one, but not my good friend uh Dan Shields, who's been on here a bunch, uh was in my living room and grabbed it we were playing his guitar and he just uh, whenever I see him like I make him play Backline Trio. And he just did an acoustic cover in my in my dining room, and I got the chills from it. <laughs> that riff is awesome. I remember yeah. I remember being in in ninth grade, and like the thing to do after school was just like all the guitarists would get together and just like whip out that riff. It's like if you didn't know it, you just like just come to the circle. The dudes will show you how to play real quick. Is, is their music easy to play? I don't know how to play any music. Um, yeah, they're like. They're relatively easy. I mean, the bass player is skillful and, like, has some licks, and Matt will, like, have some riffs that are a little more complex, but for the most part, once they kick in, they're just kind of, like, three, four, but it's four fun. progressions. Yeah, it's, yeah. like, fun music and energetic music to get into. You can't be, like, super mathy and complex and, like, have a crowd react the same way. I, I've seen him live twice. One time I saw him with Cursive. Awesome. Really good tour. New York City at the Best Buy Theater. Uh, I've never seen so many members of bands I like just hanging out at the show. I saw Anthony from Bayside and all these other dudes just hanging out. Just like, I was like, what? If those are like two of the bands from that scene that are still relevant. No one ever expected Bayside to stick around this long. I meant uh, Alkaline Trio oh, yeah. and Cursive. Cursive yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm still shocked that Bayside is a band. <laughs> yeah. I, I booked two shows in my entire life. Well, maybe three, technically. Yeah, no, three or four. All right, but two in Connecticut around the same time period. And Bayside, it was Glass Eater and the Glass Eater, which no one, I don't know if anyone remembers them. I remember Glass Eater. Yeah, they were. They had some success. They were cool. And Bayside was the 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 smaller band. And they were on this band called Celebrity on Doghouse. I don't know what happened to them. And Bayside was on there. And they were really nice. They were really, really nice dudes. Doghouse. Yeah. We booked a show, me and these, my buddies at the time, the same day as Warp Tour in Massachusetts. At this time, Warp Tour didn't come to Connecticut, so everyone left. I think 60 people came, and a lot of those people were 
like part of the sh- like they work there to have some facet at a Polish club or something second floor, and the Bayside guys and all them were so nice about it. They're like yeah whatever, like we don't care we just want to play. And it was when they were had their that split with name taken. I remember. I think I have it. They gave it to me. They were really nice. They gave me a T-shirt and the CD. And I was like, I'm so sorry, no one came. We got him, we had vegan pizza. We got him some pizza without cheese, and we all had a big picnic together. That's awesome. And then, of course, you see him like 15 years later. Do you remember me? No, nope. And I don't expect you to. Yeah, that's uh, that's how I made my all my connections was when I like, first was in college. I just booked shows places I just, at your college. Um, first when I was going to a community college, I booked shows at my cousin's house. At, nice. He, what town? He, oh, what area is this? He lives in Tom's River, and his his he has a single mother, and she's like she was a hippie when she was a kid, and now she just kind of works, and she's raising her kid. Yeah. So I was like, hey, if if everyone's cool, you think we could just have shows in your garage? She's like, yeah, sure. And like we had one, and a decent amount of people came. We had two, a decent amount of people came. By the third time, like a touring band had stopped and played. Do you not remember what band it's it was? Al- it was Algernon Cadwallader. No fucking way. And uh, and like after that. I started booking so many shows. It was we were having th- at least three shows a week. Wow! For six months straight, and every single show had a touring van on it. Oh, do you remember any of the names that came out of it? Um, G- Chalk Talk, damn. Um, Grown Ups, who were on uh, not Top Shelf Records. What I don't know. I forget what record label on there. Grown Ups were like pretty big. The guy yeah. from Motion City Soundtrack recorded a song with them. Damn. Um, the Absolute Punk.net tour passed through my cousin's garage. Oh, my garage. God. And I don't even think most people knew what they were getting into when they showed up. They're just like, oh, it's a garage. Like, yeah, and you could sleep here, and there's food, and you could smoke, and like just... And band's like, okay. Yeah. And then it finally was getting... I had six months of shows booked in advance. Damn. And I had to cancel them all, because finally, like, there was... Like one night, over a hundred kids showed up, and like just blocked every street for like three blocks. And all the neighbors finally called. The cops came. Yeah. At that point, we couldn't take the chance of a touring yeah. band. It was for the Absolute Punk dot net tour. Uh-huh. So like, you can't take the chance of having a really big band come through and just be like, oh, well, we're actually gonna have to stop the show early tonight. Sorry. This happens yeah. kind of frequently. You, yeah. And yeah, you just can't. So then once I went to college, I started using my college's resources and money and buildings to start That's, booking shows. And you can give bands a lot of money. Anyone yeah. listening who's in a college, don't mock those student group uh, booking bands. Get in there and get artists you can never afford. And, or get your friends. I've brought friends up and just yeah. been like, here's $3,000, play a show. You don't even have to join. That's what I'm promoting here. I did not join a single club. I guess club. it depends on your school. I didn't join a club. I just went in with like a kick-ass proposal. It was after yeah. It was after the tsunami happened. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, hey, we're going to do a benefit for the tsunami. Here's, here's the address. Here's where we're sending the money to. I just need your help getting a building. I already have the bands. I already know how much you're getting paid. Everything has been done. Just sign and put your name. And they're like, yeah. oh, well, okay. And then that looks good. Yeah. Is it bad that my head went to the episode of The Office, the tsunami fundraiser? A lot of people were affected by the footage, Jan. <laughs> In my head, that's what you did. Yeah, that's what I did. And then you kept all the money for yourself. Here's what's It funny says bit. fundraiser. I don't know what's wrong with you guys. <laughs> the funniest part is they, the kid from the club who had to show up to collect the money 
wasn't into music whatsoever. He was like a jock, so he was already annoyed he had to be there. He sat by the door, and he didn't. He wasn't aggressive with the fact that you're supposed to donate when you walked in. Yeah. He just kind of leaned against the wall, so nobody donated, <laughs> and he didn't collect any money. And he just left as soon as the first band started, and then people started coming up to me. And they're like, "We have money. Where do we go?" I'm like, "I'm not going to be responsible. You're going to have to take it to this office like Monday through Friday when he gets back." So no money was raised whatsoever, but I got away with getting all of these bands to play in a dorm room. What bands? Do you remember? Um, These are odd questions. Yes. So it was Foxes and Lions, which were from Tom's River, and the guitarist went on to be in River City Extension. Dude, they're fucking awesome. My girlfriend was in that band. River City Extension? Yeah, she was originally the cello player from the get-go. What? Yeah, she's on the first... Weren't they on MTV's... Swordfish or something? Weird contest thing a long time ago? Uh, I don't think so. I'm thinking River City High. It doesn't matter, but I know River City Extension. They've played with Alkaline Trio a few times. Yeah, They toured with Get Up Kids. First off, your girlfriend plays the cello? She plays... She plays... Everything, and she's not in Murder by Death. I didn't know there's two of them. <laughs> yeah, and and cursive too. Cursive oh, is yeah. the reason she started playing cello in a rock band. Wow! Shout out to Vi- I assume she's gonna listen to this. Oh yeah. I don't. What's your girlfriend's name? Jen. Shout out to Jen. Yeah. If you want to play some cello at the end of this, you're more than welcome. Yeah. And now she's playing work. with uh, this girl Fletcher, who was on X Factor. Oh, but, cool. But lost, and now she's just like getting a pop career going. They'd had mm. like two million plays in the first week. On Spotify? Fuck. So that's like $35? That's at. like... <laughs> that they have to then split between... <laughs> no offense. Uh, you know, one of the... Do you listen to a podcast called Going Off Track? I don't. I don't know if you're a big podcast listener or not, but uh, it's uh, Steven from Fuse. Remember Steven's Untitled Rock Show? I do. Yeah. yeah. And uh, him and Jonah Bear, who's on United Nations, and uh, ex- another plug, they've both been on this show. I'm still, I'm still proud of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, so they have a lot of musicians on who are in bands that we loved, like Thursday and stuff. And some of them have gone on to be like drummers for America's Got Talent. And like, band, people are like, I want to make music the rest of my life, and I'll do any way I can. And I've learned so, like, some of them. One guy, I think he was from, I think his name's Brian Diaz. He was in the movie Life or something. I forgot what Love band. Movie Life. Yeah, me too. And uh, I think he went on to be like a roadie for or fucking Guns N' Roses. And like, but then they have these dudes come on. It's Tucker from Thursday who plays for America's Got Something Star, some reality yeah. show. Yeah. And plays in boy bands. Uh, the drummer from Yellow Card was the drummer for Adam Lambert as soon as he wow. got off of American Idol. He toured with him for like the first two albums, I think, until Yellow Card eventually wow. started going again. Oh, and uh, remember American Hi Fi? Yeah. The drummer or. The guy from that is Miley Cyrus's drummer for the last eight nine years. Awesome, career musician. Yeah, from playing and it, I, it's my favorite podcast because it's just music and comedy. I, 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 I would like to pretend I'm friends with those guys, but I'm not. But <laughs> we email once in a while. <laughs> That's all it takes. Yeah, but uh, uh, but it's it's just cool to see like when people like you have all these DIY punk ideals, and then it's just like yeah, you know, I'll play for Miley Cyrus. I'll play for. The Wanted. Tucker plays from The Wanted, a boy band. Oh, man. I mean, think of the drummer from One Direction is probably making like more than we'll ever see. When I was growing up, I, like, my friends would always give me flack, but I said from the get-go, like, I would gladly be the drummer for someone like Katy Perry. Oh, you make bank. But, it, I mean, it's like, it's stupid, fun bubblegum pop. Like, you don't have to think about it. Yeah. You can just rock the fuck out on your instrument playing the same thing every night and, and get paid for it. Yeah. 
you have a job in music. Yeah. You know how rare that is? You get your hotel accommodations covered. And your food is covered. Your transportation is covered. I watched the Katy Perry documentary. I have not seen it yet. It was surprisingly... It was by the people who did... Um, Things like legendary. It's it was Ron Howard's company that made it. Oh, awesome! And it was I like a good music doc, and yeah, I like her music. I like her. I do. I don't hate. Yeah, I even uh, I like Taylor Swift too. Yeah, because now I consume music differently than I used to. I listen to Taylor Swift the same way I listen to the Ghetto Kids. Yeah, when I used to be a Ghetto Kids was I had to pick out an album, put it on, and really focus. And now I'm just like I just listen to everything the same way. I have never taken a break from the radio. I always, oh, I always listen. I always just. I like to just keep current on what's in top 40 radio. I just love... My mom's a big pop music fan. So, uh, I was listening to the Beach Boys this morning because I just watched the Jimmy Fallon skit they just did with uh, Kevin Bacon. I didn't see it. I, it was on the... I think it was last... It must have been last night. It was Saturday. I don't oh, know I, when it was. I can't wait. So they do their version of Fun, Fun, Fun. I didn't know that song. I don't even know much about the Beach Boys. And then I was like, huh. So this morning I listened to Pet Sounds for the first time in my life. I prefer the Beach Boys over the Beatles, uh, always. Like, from when I was a little kid, I always... Fighting words to, not me, but someone. <laughs> and I have to say this, because I always get, like, they're, everyone, they're not better. I didn't say they're better. I said I prefer the Beach yeah. Boys over the Beatles. I love pop. I love pop, and I love, I love the story. I remember, like, even as a kid, when the Behind the Music came on, that was, like, the yeah. first one where I was just like, whoa, they're like... They sing this shitty pop music, but this guy has like so much going on in his head. Um, and then that movie that just came out, the Kevin Spacey movie. No, that's the wrong name. Uh, Black hair dude from Identity. John Cusack. Yes. Wow, Kevin Spacey. I was wrong. Yeah, I want to see. It. I didn't hear it, see it yet. It's good. Love and Mercy. Yeah, it was phenomenal. And it, uh, the kid from Little Miss Sunshine played the young version of him. Oh, so they wow. had two different time periods of his life going back and forth huh so it was a non-linear storyline and it was really good it was really well done yeah i heard john cusack on nerd is talking about it and like the sick guy he's like and then he wrote god only knows so i listened to god only knows which i only knew that one part from the girl talk cover or sample yeah. and then i've heard like covers of it and i thought fi- i was just I, i'm on i was working from home today so i was just like oh, just listen. I, i've been Trying to listen to an album while at work now, just to keep work more spiced up. Yeah, and I was like, I'm just listening to the Beach Boys for once. I was like, I actually on Twitter, I was like, no one's ever made me listen to um, to uh, Pet Sounds. Thanks, mom and dad. And I, <laughs> they both have Twitter, so I tweeted them. <laughs> and I don't think they know what Twitter how to use it. I think they thought I was mad at them. <laughs> it's like I'm kidding. <laughs> no, my parents were very great musically. Like, come, it's funny. Um, my wife, or Victoria's family, just not music people. At all, I go to their house. It's like jazz, movie soundtracks, and and like show tunes. And then my household, it was like nothing but Beatles, pop music, and then folk music. Tons of folk music. My parents didn't listen to anything you couldn't have sex to. Yeah. No matter what that genre. That makes so much more sense, right? I hope we can keep that in, right? <laughs> we can keep that in. Okay. Well, I can <laughs> Yeah, we. It was her like, and Victoria are very open about their conversational skills of inappropriate things in loud places. Yeah, and that's that's me too. I just yeah. can't help it. I just like was like that was a, we didn't even have to talk about it. It was just the vibe. Like we listened to Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Yep. My dad is a huge Elvis fan. My dad's not big into music because his family's not big into music. But what he does listen to, he like dives so far into. So he has yeah. he has like three three triple discs of just Elvis B-sides like oh my God. live performances and shit. 
and just memorabilia. And so Elvis, R&B, and then straight pop music. So like when I was born 88, my sister and my mom were real heavy into like Sheila E type mm-hmm. pop music. So like, Pr- I- Isn't she from Prince? Had some ties with yeah. Prince. Used to play with Prince. Yep. I love Prince. Yeah. So like in the car from like before I could speak, I'm just hearing this like super rhythmic. It's stupid. Oh, like, oh, but it's the best. It is. It's the best. I've always just appreciated a two and a half minute verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, pop song. I love it. And it, there's nothing better than it to me. Yeah. I mean, I don't care about math rock. I mean, there's moments I want to listen to some Dillinger. I would go to these hardcore punk shows, ska shows in Connecticut. My friends drop in one off. They get out of the car. Queen. Queen and Meatloaf. Victoria made fun of me last night because I'm going to go see Meatloaf at a casino with my buddy Ryan because she's like, why would you want to see Meatloaf? I'm like, Meatloaf is theater. <laughs> you don't understand. Bad Out of the Hell is a piece of fucking art. And I would like get made fun of, like jokingly made fun of by my friends when we would talk about bands. And I'm like, you know, Bad Out of the Hell is really good. You fucking pussy. How do you like that shit? I was like, guys. You really should listen to that album. It is perfectly constructed. <laughs> every line, every lyric, every piece of music, the orchestration, the female singer, I forget her name, Donna, just, oh my god. Dude, it's so good. I, like, every single time I start Rocky Horror Picture Show, I'm always surprised. I forget every time. I'm like, oh, right, 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 Meatloaf, hell yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So the R&B and blues growing up for you? Like all white people, we just stole all the good music from black folk. <laughs> yeah, well... Even when I just, for the first time ever, someone has finally acknowledged it, and it made me, like, thrilled. Someone was like, you you have, like, a really hip-hop sound to your drumming, no matter mm. what style you're playing. I'm like, I've been waiting my whole life for someone to tell yeah. me that. I, like, grew up on R&B, I grew up on rap, and no matter, like, how punk or DIY of a band I'm in, I love just, like, throwing something real bass drum heavy and just, like, laying in a pocket yeah. for a while. I love it. I still listen to. I still like, still go out and buy R and B records. Do you, what, what's that dude's name? The funky drummer who wrote the first six second little, the most popular drum thing. Uh, there's like a whole documentary about this dude who did. He gets screwed over because he didn't get any money. He created the most popular drum beat that sampled in every hip hop song, and he never gets paid for it. What? He no, lives in Brooklyn still. He's like an old black dude. I forget his name. Is really fascinating. Poor guy. Looking up like the funk. Yeah, all early hip hop musicians just got fucked. Yeah, I just watched the episode of No Reservation with Am- No uh, parts on one of the Bernane shows he has. He's got a few. I think he goes to the Bronx and he meets with the guy who like founded hip hop, and he's poor because he didn't get any credit. Is he for the it. one who still does like the hip hop tours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool Herb or Cool Keith or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got like named by Time Magazine as the grandfather of hip hop, and then Sugar Hill King, I guess, were like a pop, like a label. All those young... Like the music business is just fucking terrible. Yeah. I just... I oh. heard a radio host going off about the Sex Pistols, like, so angry. Because someone's like, you know, they said something about punk. He's like, yeah, the Sex Pistols. He goes, Sex Pistols was the biggest fraud piece of shit band put together by a record label. And that's not real punk. They didn't even write their own songs. Is that true? I didn't know was, that was true either. It's like, I haven't done any research. But, I like, this guy uh, spoke so wholeheartedly that I, like, have I've to heard that about him. Green Day, too. Like, they just... Rip, and the Chili Peppers and all the big bands just... I think Green Day ripped off no Chili Peppers ripped off Gang of Four, which I never heard of Gang of Four. Everyone I know is like you listen to Gang of Four, like I'm past it. So yeah, I, I missed know. it. 
So Yeah, me too. I just heard him on going off track and then I was like, oh, so every band I've ever loved is just ripping someone else yeah. off. Well, Green Day, I like, always remember, regardless of the fact they're ripping everyone off, those guys were like 16-year-old punks in California who yeah. went to shows. And like, regardless of the fact that they like... You know, how do you expect a 16-year-old not to be, ori- to be original? You just make what you know. Yeah, I still make, like, make it a habit to rip off all of my favorite things. It's never going to be the same version of it. It's no. always going to be like a watered-down version of the original thing, but if you're into it, you're going to be into this too. That's the argument of like sampling. It's no different than taking a Beatles song in your guitar and then playing around with it and making some new music. Oh, I mean, like if you listen to the radio right now, you can put 20% of the songs right over top of one another. Did you see that thing on YouTube that was like a big thing? Someone took like... Country music? The country songs yeah. were all the same. Lyrically even. I know, I loved it. <laughs> I loved every second of it. It's crazy. It was like the beat, the key, the phrasing, the lyrics. lyrics, It was all the exact same thing. Well, because it gets too scienced. You know what I mean? When you get to a certain level, it's too much of a science because there's like stuff they use to test it. They're like, okay, what's popular? What's the buzzing on Twitter? Yeah. You know, these executives who don't know what they're talking about. All right, sex and tractors. Let's write a song about sex and tractors. Let's find my tractor sexy. Perfect. That's a hit. Now let's find a blonde woman who can kind of sing and we'll do the rest. You know, and that, and that, that, that stuff exists. Oh, totally. And then there's actually actual great art. Music's hard, right? Like, the people who shouldn't succeed do, and the ones who don't should never, don't always. Yeah, and you you have to start with money, yeah. I find. To so you be, have to own equipment, place to play. Furthermore, you just need to, like, have enough financial support to not make money for a year or two. You're, yeah. like, basically unemployed until someone decides that, yeah. that they're going to fund it. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. Which, and Like, you're a lifestyle guy, but, I mean, you have a... A job that allows you to play music. I am super fortunate. Um, I, you know, I do video work, and my boss was in a band, a touring band, and he's still in a band. So, like, we all are consciously, like, still trying to keep the dream alive, even though we're working. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. It's finding this balance of like work-life balance. Doesn't matter if you're an artist or just like a, a nine-to-five stiff. Yeah, I find myself so burnt out because, like, I just. You, you have to still go to shows. You have to network. You have to meet people. You can't be a guy who just like shows up to play your own show and then be like, hey, can you hook my band up with the show? Mm-hmm. The answer is always going to be no. I don't know who the fuck you are. Why do you deserve drinks. it? Yeah, I drive to see Weezer in Maine. Y- you know? <laughs> I'm so bummed, man. There's a fill-in drummer. That does suck. Do you have a time frame? It's almost an hour. I don't know. That sucks about Weezer, though. Yeah. And I, I like, we just... Started doing a Weezer tribute band, so and I'm playing drums. Like never uh, in my life would, you, would I have ever been able to pick apart the drum parts like I can right now. Oh, what if they asked you to play? Oh, I like I put a thing on Facebook. Okay, Weezer, I'm in Portland as well. If you want me to play a couple B sides with you guys, whatever. I would have loved it. And I've been at concerts where like people pull people on stage. And yeah, like, there would have never been a more perfect opportunity than I a know. Weezer show where they have a fill-in drummer for me to have been like. I know all of your songs. Please let me up. And better than that guy. Yeah, there's a U2's done that a couple times. I've uh, been to a Newfound Glory show. They did that. Um, I'm I talk music. Uh, I wanted, we got to talk a little comedy before we leave, too, though, because I remember when we were up here, we were making really inappropriate jokes that made everyone comfortable, and we were just fucking crying. It's like my, it's my favorite thing to do. Uh, but, so, what's the. You're like the Asbury Park area? Uh, yeah, I live in Red Bank where they film comic book men. Clerks. Yeah. Mall rats. I just filmed. Uh, I was just a featured extra in an episode of Comic Book Man. No fucking way. Yeah. How'd you manage that? Uh, well, I mean, I live like two blocks away, so I peri- anytime they're filming, I always periodically pop over and pretend. I mean, 
I go there once a week and I'll just buy something just so yeah. they all know who I am so that when they are filming, I don't look like just a tourist asshole. I'm like, hey, yeah. don't remember me? I'm that like, local stoner who bought a comic last week. Yeah. <laughs> so I just kind of hang around and I, whenever they're filming, I try to pretend that I don't care. Like, Oh, yeah. So I walk over and I'm just like, oh, I can't buy a comic book today because you guys are filming. And they're like, so sorry, man. You could shop in like an hour. I'm like, Perfect. I might as well just sign one of these release forms, right? Just in case I'm on camera or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you just give everyone the secret. <laughs> yeah. So finally, like, yeah, you want to be in it? I'm like, I guess. I guess I'll do it. So I go in there, and I have, like, you know, I work in video, so I kind of know it goes. I know that it's hurry up and wait. I know that I'm not going to be doing anything, and I'm mm-hmm. an extra, so I know that I'm going to be standing in the same spot for hours. No one else who's there knew that. They're all from like Vermont, Florida, and like yeah. everyone's like just there for the tourist attraction. All complaining, all huffing and puffing, like all just so bothered because they thought they were going to, you know, this was going to be this cool gig. It's like you're a fucking extra. You're an unpaid extra. You're lucky they even let you in the the, yeah. the shot at all. So they walk over to me and like the only other girl who could like keep still and like, would you guys mind just being like a featured extra and just being like the back one of those pickup shots and like, what does that mean, right. featured extra? Um. Normally, when an extra's on screen, you're not in focus, oh, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So, like, this is just a, a quick transition shot where you'll see me, like, yeah. me, like, reading a comic book or yeah. something. It uh, probably won't even make it, but... But it could. But it could. But it could. Did you go see Kurt Braunholler after, in Asbury, after he got attacked up here? The next day. I, dude, I didn't go to that show because that club sucks. That's what he said. That, it's the worst club. Yeah. It's, and it's not in Providence. It's one of those clubs that's the next town. It's in East Providence. Gotcha. Is, I mean, it's literally... About eight second look, but it, it, whatever. It's a club that's it's like the comedy connection. So it's one of those shitty. We have alcohol. People who go here go to drink, and then there might be a comedian. Yeah, I felt real bad because I love Kurt. I've seen him up here before. He's awesome. I, I I don't know him obviously, but I love his work. And then I saw that on Twitter. I was like, No, you're never gonna come back here. And I totally understand why. He he won't ever come back. He was I, dead set on. I it. don't blame him. Right? He got so I don't know. He I don't know the whole story. Like he just so he cracked he cracked a rape joke. I'm sure it was good. It was good. It was funny, and it was it was very lighthearted, and it wasn't it wasn't aggressive. I mean, if if you were raped and you were there, you might have felt a way about it, but it wasn't the kind of thing where, like, usually when you crack a rape joke, a whole audience of people will turn against you and be like, "That's not well, right." Were, yeah, I've talked to enough comedians and 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 females. As long as it's not on the victim, it's okay. It's it was like it wasn't on the victim. I didn't even think it was like on the culprit. It was just like a real loose rape yeah. joke. And this guy knew a rape victim, I think, or something. Not even. I think he was just offended. I don't remember that part of it. But he went up to him at the merch table, and he thought that the guy was just like coming back to hassle him or whatever because he heckled him during the show, and he threw a chair at him or something. What? Threw a chair across the, across his merch table. Something crazy, but he he sprained his wrist. He was like in a cast when he came to the show. So that fire, along with the fact that he's actually from Jersey and like the crowd is mostly close friends. I'm a fan of his. I've never seen him funnier. It was like the best, right? It was the hardest I ever laughed at a stand up performance ever. And I'm just I was not expecting that from him at all. But he was on the next night. I felt that sucks. Because he, he played up here once at a theater, like a small theater in Providence. And he was amazing. And he's played that club before, too, because I've not gone to see him there because I hate that club. Yeah. It's not a good place to see comedy if you're like a fan like I am. My sister has lived here for a few years, and there's always 
I always check to see if there's bands or comedians yeah. playing when I come, and there hardly ever is. And if they are, it's super sporadic. And no matter where it's at, my sister's like, no, that's like a really shitty area that you don't want to go see a show at. And that's why most bands don't pass through Rhode Island. We're a second market. You know, Boston's an hour away, right? Yeah. And, then, and, let, and there's no good mid-sized venue here. We do have the Columbus Theater now, which is like run. It's a nonprofit, and that's it was him and Eugene Merman. So they have like really good comics that like uh, Technotaro's been there. Like cool. Foon, I saw Kyle Kinane. Kyle Kinane's really good. I love Kyle. He was so Kyle Kinane. I, I see. This is, I know I don't know these people. I, I listen to them on so many podcasts. I'm like, oh yeah, I love Kyle. I'm like, I know I don't know him, but I sure feel like I do. <laughs> yeah. And his stand up was great. And I, I I actually don't like comedy clubs. I like a good small theater, like 300 cap. This place is a. 300 cap room they have really weird unique bands and they have great comedy i can't plug this venue enough it's it's the best place to see a show in providence i think yeah i'll have to check it out yeah it's literally two streets over awesome oh you can walk there yeah yeah that's what you should do i've gone to the daily show writer store there it's like it's fucking great and then lupos is okay it depends on the crowd uh, what else do we have? And then big comedians come to the vets. So then that's rare. Like uh, I saw Aziz there. That was good Aziz time. is hilarious. Yeah, you know, I actually I think he might be my favorite comedian. I like the storytelling aspect of him and his energy. His energy is nonstop the whole set, and he has he has a rhythm to it. He, he does have a. Cause I've seen. I saw Louis C.K. and I saw Aziz in the same month, and I like Aziz way more. I saw Louis. Um, do the oddball comedy fest? Yeah, yeah, I did that. I saw that. Too. And it wasn't. He's he's not a big venue guy. No, he's like the reason you love Louis is because you can relate to him. So when you get him in front of a crowd that big and like he has to try to sway the crowd, it's like not that he wasn't capable. It's just I felt like his his art suffered for it. He's low. He's a low energy comedian. Like a Todd Berry. I just saw Todd. Well, I could barely say that. Todd Berry just played at the same venue that Kurt played at and that Kyle played at the Saint. What what venue do you guys have down there? What's it called? The Saint is a music venue, but they just started doing comedy, and oh. they've pulled in really big names all of a sudden. Um, I call it like the At Midnight Crew. Yeah, I love that show. Yeah, I, at first I don't. I, I I've 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 saw I've gone to see. I saw Kurt Brunholler because he was on someone at midnight, and then he was coming to Providence. Like, gotta go. Boom! It worked. Yeah. That show works. He's fucking hilarious. I love him. So Todd Barry's playing at the Saint. I was looking forward to it for months. I saw Todd Barry front row at the Comedy Cellar in New York. Oh, man. Like, I was sitting in front of him, and he just was, like, ripping us new assholes, and I loved every second of it. So he was playing in Asbury. I was getting so pumped. And then that day, I decided to call it a work because a long weekend was ahead of me. A few friends hit me up. like, do you want to go day drinking in Asbury before the show? Totally, yeah. yeah. Got to go see some of those scenes from The Sopranos. Yeah. <laughs> So that's what tourists like me think. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go see where they left to go kill Big Pussy. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I ended up at like four different bars before I got to the Todd Barry show. <laughs> Drank for free at most of them. As soon as I get to Todd Barry, I'm just gone. And I didn't plan on being. I run up to the first row, sit right in front of him, fall asleep. <laughs> I wake up to my coworker. Mopping a broken glass out from underneath me. I slept through the set. I then dropped my glass and it shattered. And I found out later that he spent a few minutes making fun of me, which I also slept through. At the end of the show, I wake back up and everyone had left except for my girlfriend waiting to drive me home, the staff, and Todd Barry. 
that Jen is all right. She is. All, she was humiliated. And I'm, I walk, as soon as I wake up, I walk over to him like, can we get a picture with you, bro? And he's probably just looking like, oh, the asshole who was sleeping and passed out in my fucking show. Let's take a picture. Sure. Let's take a picture. Did and he? Like, he did. <laughs> you watched late night because gonna, you're going to be one of those stories. Yeah, I did the show where the dude just slept through the whole and thing. And Nick Crawls going to be like, yeah, and I did this interview where this prick didn't know the yes end when you're doing improv. <laughs> so you are a comedy fan who pisses off comedians. <laughs> it's like just it's slow turned into this awful thing where all of my idols hate me they say don't meet your idols yeah i think you should do stand-up about this <laughs> how you've made an ass out of yourself in front of everybody hey, i'm not really good at comedy so i figured i'd talk about that during my comedy <laughs> <He> set <laughs> i'm not a comedian but here's how i fucked everything up and when i met bill murray i was at the 10 year well, hold on back that up i'm dead yeah bill murray Billy fucking Murr. Groundhog Day, Ghostbuster fame. I got a Bill Murray tattoo. Oh my god, he's not even kidding. It's Bill Murray as Hunter S. Thompson from Where the Buffalo Room. Oh my god. Should we go through his IMDb as people don't know who he is? <laughs> Bill Murray, the guy from the album. No, what? Uh, Garfield, the, kale, uh, the tale of two kids. You might have heard a little show. It airs every Saturday night. <laughs> they it's do live. comedy. <laughs> he hasn't done anything from the 70s. He was once in the episode of No Reservation with Anthony Bourdain. In upstate New York when they ate at the O2 or something weird. That's definitely where you'll know him yeah, from. Nothing else. <laughs> so how did you meet Bill Murray? I went to the Royal Tenenbaums 10-year anniversary at the New York Film Fest. Fuck. Those were our OR scrubs. Oh, are they? <laughs> Wait, that's Rushmore. <laughs> I was... Oops. Second row, dead center. And they did the Q&A. It was Bill Murray, Angelica Houston, Gwyneth Paltrow... Wes Anderson, Eric Anderson, Noah Baumbach was asking the questions. Noah Baumbach, I love him. Yeah, and they, and I should have known this because it was an event. You know, I feel like if I saw Bill Murray out in nature, he would be the nicest, coolest guy like they describe it, but it was an event. You know, he doesn't want to be there. He's yeah. obligated. He's in a suit. He was a total dick. They were all fucking dicks. Yeah. Uh, Noah, Noah Baumbach, no one was waiting to meet him. He was like off in the crowd. No one even knew who he was. I was yeah. the only person who went up to him. He was still a fucking dick. Really? And it's like, oh, dude, such a huge fan. Like, can I get a picture with you? He was so bothered. It's like huffing and puffing the whole time. Ugh. So Bill Murray, I run up to him. Like, hey, man, can I get a picture? I, like, wrap my arm around him. He signed an autograph. He's like, well, they told me I'm not allowed to take pictures of fans. I'm like, dude, I drove from New Jersey. I am your biggest fan. I'm taking a picture. He goes, well, I can't stop you from taking a picture, but I'm also not going to look at it. And just kept signing autographs. So it's just me, like, with my arm wrapped <laughs> Bill Murray with the, like, shit-eating grin while he's just doing autographs. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Yeah. I'm not mad about it. No. You know, I realized I didn't ask you about the probably the real reason you're even here, Raising the Dead. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll put that in the front. It's <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. Raising the Dead. Uh, uh, we should, you should probably tell people why you actually came on an hour yeah. into it. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. We're making a short film called Raising the Dead. It's, uh, it's a dark comedy. It's about two guys in their 20s. One of them comes back from years of volunteer work. And he finds out that his mom and his brother told everyone he died to collect life insurance money. And he decides to move out at that point, bumps into his high school nemesis, who's also down in his luck. That's who I play. I'm the nemesis. I'm the dick. Yeah, I love the preview. I think you sent me. It was amazing. <laughs> and uh, the two of us go on a road trip, which will be the, the feature. The script's already written, but we're mm. just making a short first. So the feature will actually be the two characters hopping on the road and going on a road trip buddy comedy style mm. uh, but it's kind of like it's he's comparing it to something about Mary meets 
Little Miss Sunshine. I like this a lot. I mean, you say you're not good at comedy, but I, from the, what I saw of it, I think you're like a comedian in the sense you're a comedic actor. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Maybe you're not good at sketch, or you're, or you're not good at Im- or um, I'm not good improv. At, I'm or not a live guy. Stand up, but like your comedic timing and those the the thing you sent me was just like I, I talked to Deb about it. Like I get, we geeked out over it. I appreciate. I'm sure it. she must have told you. Yeah, she, and I was like I can't. And, I, and I've met you once. That time I met you once. I was like that was really fucking good. Thank you. Because I um. I get to watch a lot of really bad things for the show and like trying to get people on and like who do I want to ask and I, so I go through Indiegogo a fair amount and then enough where I've seen a lot of stuff that doesn't hold my attention and that was really fucking good. Thank you, I really appreciate it. When does there a release date for the short? There's not. I think the ca- the campaign ended today. Did you guys hit it? We did not even hit halfway. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's totally cool. I we we went into it. The original goal was like ten thousand dollars and we're just like, I'm like, dude. $2,000 like we can't ask for $2,000 it's like almost pointless but like the needs that we have could absolutely yeah. be covered with $2,000 so but do just, you get the money you don't raise like do you get nothing that's now? why we went through Indiegogo Indiegogo is the only one that gives you whatever you raise oh good so. I donated to Indiegogo and I didn't hit it and I was like I wonder what's happening because I just gave them $10 and I, wa- I wanted them to have it yeah so luckily, oh, so luckily, we're still going to get the cash. Uh, the goal was six thousand. We we hit just over two thousand. That's impressive. It, yeah, I mean, you're no, no, you're not famous actors. Yeah, I it was like, and the fact that that many people gave to us, regardless, and it's just like it's a pipe dream. It's like you're, yeah. it's a bunch of people supporting the fact that I don't want to work a real job. So no matter <laughs> what amount of money yeah. I get, I just am truly thankful that anyone is willing to support people. Um, and you can make and this is just for the short. This is just for the short. Oh, when you do Indiegogo, if you have the short out and then you're making a feature, at least you have something. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the short is is being made to then try to find someone who'd be interested in producing the full length feature. And at that point, we'll we'll reshoot the entire short. So that's how movies get made. I actually don't know these things. That is now how movies get made. You got to make it first and then get someone to make it for you, I, like an album, right? You got to record your album and then get you, signed. You got to get some demos out there. So Isn't this that is a like weird world? a glorified demo, and it's just the first time that any of us have done this ourselves. And we're all from bands, so we get the concept. But like, we started making it, and money like starts getting spent real fast. And we're like, oh, this is a real expensive demo. So do you hire crew? Like, how does that work? Luckily, I work in that world, so every single person who worked on this movie works for free. Yeah, and that's like. When you do the math, everyone's day rate, we should be paying out like a few thousand dollars a day. And wow. all of these people are donating their time for free. Yeah. Are they all people who want to work in the field as well and get an experience? Or yeah, but friends? we're all, they're all at least, everyone has at least one mutual friend in the crew. Mm-hmm. I know everybody, but I, yeah, okay. but for the most part, these are all people who know each other or at least are familiar with each other's work. This makes me like it so much more. It's just a labor of love with a bunch of good people. I'm yeah. Not- and that's what's hard. It's like we show our friends and like, it's hard for people to watch because it's like, it's all of our friends working yeah. on it and in it. So they're just like, Oh, and that's that person. Like just remove yourself and watch. Yeah, I, didn't know, <laughs> I knew no one in there except you. And I loved it. So that, that gives it, um, maybe this gives you a little push. Thank you. Uh, when you guys, especially when you get the marketing thing going, come back and get all your people to come on here. Yeah. In some facet. And that was the other reason. We're just like, we're trying to raise all these funds. And I'm just like, oh, like we could go to Rhode Island. And like half the dudes are like, I have a baby. Yeah. And my wife said no. Yeah. <laughs> like, are like, hey, man, I like just can't afford that. I'm like, I got this. Yep. <laughs> Dude, the marketing is so weird. I know. 
it, it's hard as fuck to give something away. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't charged for my music since like high school. It's like, yeah. it's not even worth asking. It's like more humiliating to be like, hey, will you pay me $5? I'm like, no. Okay. Yep. I'm just like, here, it's for free. If you want it, there it is. And hopefully you'll be at a show. Yeah, live is where you make it. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so these dudes, though, like, you're all music dudes. None of you are actors. Nothing. Uh, Taylor Allen, who plays the lead, he is a comedian. He has been doing it for a while. He runs a, a comedy show called The Spelling Bee at The Saint once a month. Okay. And he's the guy who brought Kurt out. He's the guy who brought Kyle Kinane out. And so then good taste. Yeah. And he, I mean, he knows, he knows Kurt. I think they went to high school or something like that. Oh, cool. Together. Um, and he knows Kyle Kinane. I forget how, but he's, he's just on the cusp of that world. Just enough. Yeah. Taylor, I'm going to find him on the Twitter. Yeah, he's he's awesome. And he has a picture of himself as a child standing with Rosie O'Donnell that's surfa- surfacing on the net. You could try to find. Oh, man. We worked it into the movie. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 awesome. He's a friend of mine. I've known him for years. And like that's it's great that the two of us know each other. I feel like that's why the, the timing works a, a bit better yeah, than yeah. it normally would. Like we, I know his sense of humor, and he knows mine. Yeah. That is awesome. Um, did I miss anything else? I, I was kind of all over the place. No, that's it. You good? Yeah. Let's do, do the Mark Marin. You good? I'm good. <laughs> I mean, you're not Obama, so <laughs> whatever. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this, man. Thank uh, you for having me. Where can people find you and all your projects on the internet? Uh, I feel like just going to my Facebook page would probably be the easiest because yeah. there's just so many different places. But I try to I try to keep everything neat and tidy there. All of my bands have Facebook pages. Are you on for- Twitter? I am on Twitter. Right. I, 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 for the most part, I only use Twitter for complaining or like when I'm really stoned and I like crack a joke to myself that there's no one around to hear. I'll be like, yeah. I'll put that on Twitter and like yeah. one person's gonna like that. And you it's gonna be like worth a it. Tumblr or a website or nothing. I don't. I work on a computer all day long, so when I get off of work, I, I like to shut every device off. And people are like, "Don't you work on computers?" I'm just like, "Yeah." So yeah, I get it. <laughs> but you guys, know, so one time I had a comedian on here, and they're like, "I'm like, how are you people on you?" He's like. Google. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's funny. And then I typed him into Google. It's like, I can't find any of your shit, dude. <laughs> you know, if you're going to make it as a comedian, you really should have like a website or something. Like, it's annoying as fuck, but people need to find you, believe it yeah. or not. Yeah. Google does not always work. Raising the Dead has a website. I believe it's just raisingthedeadfilm.com. Yeah. So you can head there and, the, you know, the cast, the crew, everyone's information's there. So you could look them all up by name. I'll, I'll put links in, in the show description as usual. Awesome. All that stuff. And awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Oh, I wish I had a boyfriend.
Submit. 